Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, let's uh, turn for our next session uh, back to 1 Peter chapter 2. All right, so honestly, not, not for flattery for me, but just, uh, you know, glory of God's word. How many really got something out that session? And just see the divine puzzle. That's why to me, you know, after many, many years, and as I often say, the more I know, the less I know. You never exhaust what's in this book. Uh, but the Bible to me is like a divine jigsaw puzzle. And this is just uh, something the Lord seems to have given me, that when I do anything, I do it right through the Bible. And I've gone through every reference in the Bible on stone and rock, every reference. I gave you 10 tonight. thought that would be enough. Yeah, so, okay, now we're going to pick up our next theme here and uh, turn over the page to uh, your second notes. It is session four. All right, now, I want you to notice the progression, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, you'll notice a progression here, and this is, uh, I'll say it, and then next week we have to pick it up again, is that uh, if you have a covenant, you have to have a sanctuary or a house or a temple, whatever terminology you like, and if you have a temple or a sanctuary, you must have a priesthood, and if you have a ministering priesthood, you must have sacrifices. So that's the order that Peter sort of has in mind, I believe, uh, and the New Testament writers, covenant, sanctuary or house, spiritual house, house of God, temple, whatever, tabernacle, and then priesthood. And if you have a priesthood, you have to have sacrifices. So that's, that's the progression. Next week, we're going to go into the nine spiritual sacrifices that the Bible talks about. All right, so let's uh, just read a few verses here. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, only for time's sake, go to verse 4 again, and bear with me. So coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as lively stones, all authorized says, I like that, lively stones, living stones, uh, we've got the living stone on the inside of us, are being built up a spiritual house. So everybody agree with that? We are a spiritual house. Uh, we find our place in the house of the Lord. Then uh, for, next thing he says, a holy priesthood. So I'm going to pick up that, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, which we'll do next week, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and then go down to verse uh, 9 again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So notice when you put... Uh, Verse 5, a holy priesthood, and verse 9 together, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a kingly priesthood. In other words, it's the order of Melchizedek, king-priest. All right, now, what I'd like you to do, just keep... Uh, oh, now, let's go over to the other scripture I've got there. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And uh, just what I've been, been saying to you on that, uh, those four things, uh, the covenant, the house, the priesthood, the sacrifices, Hebrews 8, 1 through to 6 confirms that. Uh, now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, minister of the sanctuary, 
So priest, sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. There's your order. Therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Because remember the... Uh, the temple, uh, temple has not been destroyed yet. This is written before AD 70. So if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern showed you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in, uh, in as much as he also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. So you'll note the four words there, covenant, sanctuary, priest, priesthood, and sacrifices. That's it. All right, now, I'd like you to, uh, on, a, on a separate sheet of paper, and we haven't got any, any don't tell my wife here. Sometimes Rean says, why are your handkerchiefs so dirty? <laughs> uh, this, this would be one reason. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Sorry, darling. It's not just my nose. <laughs> All right, now. Okay, so introductory material. Uh, what, what we see now, and this is what I want to do on the board a little bit and then put some things on the PowerPoint, is that actually you see a progressive revelation of priesthood in the Old and the New Testament. So we want to look at the Old Testament priesthood uh, on this part here. So first of all, and I'd like to do our famous line because everything hangs on this. That's supposed to be a straight line. So now, the first part here, and you've got, got the notes there, is what we call patriarchal priesthood. It's spelled patriarchal. Okay, patriarchal priesthood. That's the first thing we have. And I want to give you several illustrations of that. We've got one there. Um, in the Old Testament, you'll find that there were uh, before Abraham's time, there was the uh, patriarchal priesthood, and I'll read off my notes here. The father of the house acted as priest of the household, the household of faith. And I'd like to challenge uh, you men, uh, particularly if you're fathers, you really should be priests in your house. I, th I think one of the big things today that has happened through church history is because... Uh, because the whole truth of the priesthood of all believers was lost in the Dark Ages and then uh, under the Roman Church and then everybody became priests and called father and we have the, the Pope and the Cardinals and the Archbishops and Bishops and so forth and so forth. Uh, so everybody's sort of been scared of being a priest. And so in the Protestant churches we've gone more for uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers and uh, uh, please say this kindly because you can tell how I feel about it. Uh, everybody's become pastor, 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 pastor. But th this is a shock to, I usually do this in ministers' conferences, probably reasonably safe here, is it? 
Okay, I have got my pull-up-proof vest on. The, wo- the word pastor is only used once in the New Testament. And shock to most ministers, there's not one person in the New Testament that's called a pastor, and there's not one church in the New Testament that had a pastor over it. And you see, we have created today, I'll hit this and run away then, we have created today a pastoral system that has robbed the church of the rest of the fivefold ministries. So where are the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, pastor, 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 pastor teachers? And we've robbed the church of the fivefold ministry because we're frightened to use priesthood. And so the high Anglican church and the Roman church, everybody's a priest there and you bow to the priest and do your cross and everything. And, and we've been robbed of something that I'm sharing tonight. Uh, was that safe? For fear of the Jews, okay. Anyway, so I'm just saying that fathers, I was priest in my house when my first wife was here and Mark and, and, uh, and uh, Sharon were little kidlets. I was priest in my house. We, we had taken the lamb for our house. And so we had morning and evening prayers. My kids, Sharon and Mark, till they were 24 years of age and they left home. They weren't going to leave home. They said it was cheaper to stay home. So we start making them pay board, that type of thing. Then Frank kidnapped my daughter as soon as she started paying board. He calls it marriage. Anyway, uh, I'm just wandering a little bit there. How many of you tell I've got a few hurts there? No, not kidding. But I was priest in my house. That's what I'm saying. So we had morning devotions and prayer. We were in the house of the Lord. My kids would cry if they couldn't go to a meeting. So they slept in the meeting. It didn't matter. There was something of the presence of God that just rubbed off on the kids. Yeah, Carolyn knows that. There's something of the presence of God. Osmosis and so, yeah. All right, so just a a few examples here. Under patriarchal priesthood, uh, I've got... uh, Where's my little diagram here? Got here. I'd like you to put down four people here. First of all, Adam. And then somewhere in there, Job. And then uh, uh, later on, Noah. Now, what constituted priesthood here with these? Okay, Adam, we would assume this, that... um, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, how many believe that Adam and Eve will be in heaven, by the way? How many are not sure? How many haven't got a hand? hand up. How many not going to let me catch you? Okay. The very fact that Adam and Eve were willing to lay aside their fig leaf bikini suits and accept the coats of skin provided through the body and blood of a sacrificial victim shows that they accepted by faith the coming sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Where did Abraham get the faith from? Mum and dad, Adam and Eve, probably told him, said, listen kids, Adam, I mean, uh, 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 Cain and Abel, Cain, yeah, that's Cain and Abel. When we were in the garden, we bombed out, we disobeyed the commandment of the Lord, we got in the fig leaf bikini suit, and so forth, and then God killed an innocent animal. So between us and God, there was the body and blood of a sacrificial victim, and God was teaching us this is the way of approach to him. 
Abel believed the message. Cain rejected the message. And that's why God rejected Cain's offering, because it was a bloodless offering. It was the fruit of a cursed earth. And so Adam was like priest in his own house. Later on, subsequent scriptures, you find that uh, the high priest was given the coat of skin that was provided by the death of an animal. And God clothed Adam and Eve in coats of skin provided. So it constituted priesthood. Then Job, chapters 1, uh, verses 1 through to 5, Job offered the sacrifice for his family. He said, maybe my sons and daughters have sinned in their heart. And he was a priest in his house. Noah built an altar to the Lord. First record, we have an altar. And Noah altar offered clean sacrifices, Lord. So in this period of time, we have patriarchal priesthood. And notice again what we've been saying before, the covenants involved. Uh, with Adam, we have the AC, the Adamic covenant. Uh, with Noah, we have the Noahic covenant. And so they're covenant people, their covenant relationship, patriarchal priesthood. Then we come to the next one on your, on your notes there. We come to, uh, I'll put it this way, we come to Abraham. I'll just put Abe here. And under Abraham, we have the AC, the Abrahamic covenant. And the priesthood that uh, Abraham has to do is Melchizedek. And we've already alluded to him. So Melchizedek is a king priest, KP, king priest. And it's covenant time. And as we saw last week, uh, Abraham gives his tithes and uh, Melchizedek gives to Abraham the communion, bread and wine. So we have the Melchizedek priesthood. That's the picture we have here. That's in Genesis 14. Then number three, the next thing we have is we, we dealt with this last week. So that's why we encourage you to be it every week. Exodus 19, God asked the nation of Israel now. He said, if you will obey my voice, the, the, the issue as we saw was obedience. If you will obey my voice, keep my covenant. So we have obedience, covenant. Then we will be unto me a kingdom of priests, royal priesthood, order of Melchizedek. And we know that they fell to a secondary level and God introduced another priesthood. So Israel was offered the Melchizedek priesthood, national priesthood. I've got it there. And then God, when they, when they boasted and said, anything the Lord says, she'll be right, mate, we'll do it all, they fell to a secondary level, God's permissive will. This was God's perfect will, permissive will. God permitted it. And so what did God do? He introduced another covenant, Mosaic covenant, we'll call that the law covenant, and he introduced, I'll just abbreviate here, he introduced the Aaronic priesthood, APH, and uh, the Levitical priesthood, the tribe. So he brought them down to a secondary level. It was permissive will, never God's perfect will. That's the pic uh, picture we have here. Now, under, under this whole thing, uh, what we find is, and this will fit in with what we want to do tonight, God introduced the tabernacle of Moses, and uh, we have the various articles of furniture there, the Ark of the Covenant, golden altar of incense, the golden lampstand, table of showbread, uh, and the uh, labor, brazen labor, and then the great brazen altar. And the priesthood ministered there. So it was God's like flannel graph education to them under this uh, priesthood. All right. 
That's the picture we have there. So it gives you an overview. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we are introduced into a new priesthood. Back to God's original plan. So let's go over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Sometimes it just does good to uh, sort of have the, the big picture. So Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, let's pick up in, um, in verse 5. Hebrews 5, verse 5. To, to get the whole picture, you've got to read five, chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, all these chapters. So it says, um, oh, we'll read from verse 1, Hebrews 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. This was the main purpose of the incarnation that Jesus could be taken from among men and be ordained for men. In things uh, pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes his honor to God to himself, but he who is called of God, just as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten uh, Today I've begotten you, yes. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so right through those chapters, Hebrews chapter 5, 6 and 7, what does he do? Uh, We'll put it this way. Book of Hebrews, the book of Christ's priesthood, and Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's not miles per hour, by the way. That's Melchizedek priesthood. And what does he do? He, under inspiration of the Spirit, he goes back to the great psalm, Psalm 110, which says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit on my right hand. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's the picture we have there. And the whole priesthood of Christ is built on that. That's the picture we have. Let's turn over to one other scripture you've got in your notes there. uh, Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 6. All right, Zechariah chapter 6, and uh, let's go to verse 12. I've got verse 9 to 15, but I think uh, verse 12 will be enough. So it says, Speak unto him, that's unto Joshua, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, And he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. Once you notice there, priest on his throne. King, priest. And some of the other translations bring this out a little bit uh, clearer. And the council of peace shall be between both officers. Between priest and king. He would be a king priest. And then uh, verse 15 prophecy of the Gentiles, and they that are far off shall come and build in the temple of the Lord, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you, and this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Okay, so 
enough scripture and then uh, Hebrews is fine on. Christ is the, uh, after the order Melchizedek, and let me say this, I, I'm sort of too old to worry about some of these things now. Personally, I believe that the uh, revelation of Melchizedek is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, the interpretation of his name, it says he's king of righteousness. He's not just a righteous king. He's king of peace. He's not just a peaceful king. There's only one king of righteousness and king of peace. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think I said this last week, if I remember. What's the, the kingdom is like the king. If the king is king of righteousness and king of peace, then what's the kingdom like? Romans 14, 17. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and for good measure, joy thrown in. That's the picture we have. Okay, now let's go over. And as I said, this is something I believe that the church has been robbed of because of uh, either fear of Romanism or anything like that. Although people are calling me Father Connor these days. And some, some are calling me Grandfather I said, as long as it's got a little F on it, because it says, call no man father on earth. We have one father in heaven. All right, let's turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, and uh, verse 6. So it says, and he's uh, washed us unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God in his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we are a kingdom of priests, if you like that translation better, kings and priests or kingdom of priests. In other words, the church now. So when Jesus died on the cross, we've got to remember this. What happened to the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood? I often say... I would not like to have been the priest on duty that afternoon as he's in the temple of the Lord offering the evening sacrifice. All of a sudden, God just tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom and said to the priest on duty, you're out of a job. (laughs) It would have scared the living daylights out of me, wouldn't it? How many of you had been the priest on duty? Because his priesthood was out here. His sacrifice was out here. So God forever finished Old Testament sacrifice. And, 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 and you'd think the Bible was inspired, as you can see. When they pierced his side, what happened? Forthwith came blood and water. Blood, the brazen altar, water, the brazen lay. For 1,500 years, the priests in their approach to God had to go through blood and water, blood and water. And when they pierced his side, there was a miracle about it. Blood and water came from his side, forever fulfilling and abolishing that. And that's why for the life of me, and I had great anointings on this till I found I was wrong, we are not going to go back to animal sacrifices in the end of this age or rebuild temple. I don't care if the Jews build a dozen temples. God's glory will never leave the church, the temple of God, to go back to that. And, and in, the, in the millennial kingdom, people have me... One man said to me, Kevin, do you know what God's doing with you? I said, sometimes I wonder. But he said, God's preparing you as a priest in the church now to offer animal sacrifices in the millennial kingdom. I said, well, Kevin forbid and heaven forbid. That's the biggest insult to Calvary you can get for God to forsake. It means if God's going to, in the future age, 
you know, offer up animal sacrifice in a rebuild temple and everything like that. It means God's going to backslide the other side of the cross and reinstitute the Mosaic covenant when he's already got the new covenant. Sorry, I feel very strong about this because I had so much to unlearn. We've got the body and blood of Jesus and God's never going to backslide and go the other side of the cross to reinstitute that which he abolished. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you, Kevin, for that good point. All right, so Revelation 1, 6, we are kings and priests unto God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. There's two or three more here. Uh, Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. The 24 elders, and we're, we're told, and they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests, order of Melchizedek. Whatever the head is, the body is. The head is king priest and we are a kingdom of priests and has made us un- uh, kings and priests unto God and we shall reign not in the sweet by and by, we shall reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 20, last reference here. Revelation chapter 20. So Revelation is the strongest one on it, that you and I are kings and priests. All right, Revelation chapter 20 and uh, verse 4, uh, the last part of verse 4, only for time's sake. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. So priests and kings unto God. That's it. And then I've already given you First Peter. Now, one reference from the Old Testament here, Isaiah chapter 61 on your notes. Isaiah 61 and verse 6. Isaiah 61 and verse 6. And it says, uh, But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You know, a lot of hassle today about uh, women being priests. Well, under the Old Testament... It was a very male-dominated and male-chauvinist type of thing. Only men could be priests. But under the new covenant, all you women should start to feel something here. (laughs) Women are priests unto God. Men and women. So we don't have to ordain you. You've already been ordained. Do you you women feel a little bit happy about that? (laughs) You are. eh? Priest Anne down here. Yeah, yeah, yes. All right, so he's the priest. Now, I did all that to bring you to this. So under that part, you can put down Revelation 1, the kings and priests unto God, order of Melchizedek. All right, now, this is the sort of main thing I want to give to you. I want you to turn over to page now, uh, down the bottom of page one on that there. Gospel of Matthew is the gospel of Christ's kingship. Because it presents, Matthew presents him as the king, and the epistle of Hebrews is the gospel of Christ's priesthood. So if you put Matthew and Hebrews together, you've got order of Melchizedek. That's on your notes. All right, now, this one I'll leave a challenge with you. 
How, how, how many do believe what I've been teaching, that we are kings and priests under God? Now, it would be a whole session on its own. If we are kings and priests under God, what does it really mean to be king? You're looking at King Connor tonight. Not King, not Hong Kong, not, not King Kong, you know, <laughs> King Connor. But am I exercising my kingly ministry? You're looking at a priest tonight. I don't like titles, anything like that. But am I exercising my priestly ministry? Are you? That's the challenge I want to leave you. Are you exercising your priestly ministry? Now I want to give you nine things, and I think we're going to do one at a time. It's just an outline, but I hope that some of you will pick this up in your home meetings or something like that. Okay, what is the ministry of a priest? And let's see if you are fulfilling it. All right, number one, can we see that? Oh, no, 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 that, that, that's not the right one. No. Test of false ministries, that is. We should have another one. Um, okay, all right, we may have to, it looks like we got the wrong one. That's, uh, I think, next session, next week. Okay, we haven't got it. Uh, the first one you should have is uh, to stand before him. Have you got that? All right, while they're just checking, turn, turn to the first scripture you've got there, Second Chronicles chapter 29. No, 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 no. I've got, let us see, ministry of priest, 2 Chronicles 29. I, you know, I may, I know a little bit what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, let me, let me just read the scripture. And if we haven't got it, don't worry about it. I'll have to say the nine we've got here. So I want to challenge you in this final part here, then uh, try and open it for questions. Am, am I fulfilling my priestly ministry? I check my own heart out on this. So Second Chronicles chapter 29, under Hezekiah there's just been a great revival and cleansing of the temple, the house of the Lord. So in verse 11 he says, My sons, do, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you, and I've marked it, to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him, and burn incense. Okay, let's uh, start off there. So number one, next to Psalm 134, 135, uh, is to stand before him. Just bear with me as I read that scripture. We, We used to sing that way back in the dark ages. Psalm 133 and 34, 134, 135. Uh, Yeah, and it says here, Behold, bless the Lord... All you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So sometimes, and you pardon me, you know, Rena and I travel a lot, so we see lots of meetings. And sometimes I hear people say who are leading songs or leading worship say, okay, you've been sitting on your tail long enough, let's stand up. And that, that, that's horrible. For me, that's disgusting. I think we should just say, 
Okay, we're in the presence of the Lord. Let's just stand. Behold, bless ye the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. There's something about standing in the presence of the Lord. Otherwise, we degenerate, and this is my concern I've been sharing recently, we degenerate into a, a mere formalism. We go through an empty form, and I don't know if I've said that here, I've just been saying in the minister's conference recently, that it doesn't matter whether it's laying on of hands, laying empty hands on empty heads, or anointing with oil, or communion, or standing before the Lord. All these things can degenerate into an empty form unless we maintain the presence of the Lord. And you see, this is what's happened in so many denominations. Everything becomes a form, even though it originated with God, unless we maintain his presence. How many hear what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, here, and both Psalms are saying, you know, you that bless the Lord, stand by night in the house of the Lord. So when we stand in his presence, I'm not able to stand as much as I used to, I'm afraid, but just to stand in his presence. Yes, Lord, I just lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And the Lord that made heaven and earth will bless you out of Zion. There's a place for blessing him, standing in his presence. Number two um, is to serve him. And I've given you some other scriptures there. Number two, just put to serve him. And it talks about serving him in his temple, serving him in the house of the Lord. And it doesn't matter whether we're in the house of the Lord or we serve him all the time, even at work or whatever. We're serving the Lord. That's it. How many of you could say amen on that? And then number three, to minister unto him. So minister, at the moment I'm ministering to you, but you know, we're ministering the word of God and so forth, but ministering to the Lord. Turn over to one of those scriptures, Exodus chapter 28. And I'm just challenging you as I've challenged my own heart. Are we ministering to him? So uh, Exodus chapter 28 and uh, just read two or three verses there. And, and the Lord says to Moses, Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel. And I've underlined it, it's mentioned about two or three times, that he may minister unto me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ithamar, and you will make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I fill with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments and consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. And then he gives a list of the garments. The last part says, So shall they make holy garments for Aaron, your brother and sons, that he may minister to me. Three times in that passage, minister to me. So when we come in the house of the Lord, whether Saturday or Sunday, we're here to minister to him. Amen. Uh, so, you know, people used to say to me one time in the dark ages, I didn't get anything out the worship this morning, didn't get anything out the meeting. And I looked at them, I said, you didn't get anything out of it? Who's worship for? I thought worship was for God. You didn't get it. Did God get anything out of it? That, that's the issue. And you know, this is a challenge. That I'm challenging on this as I challenge my own heart. When we come Saturday or Sunday, whatever, are we ministering as priests to the Lord? Are we fulfilling? Do we lift up our hands in the sanctuary? Do we stand before him? How many think if we had more of this concept, there'd be much more concentration of the presence? That's what I'm talking about. And minister to him. 
okay, before the ministry of the word, before communion is ministered or whatever, we're ministering to him. That's it. So how much does God get out the meeting? That's the challenge. Minister to him. Number, number four, four, to burn incense to him. I'd like you to look at this uh, scripture here. Wow. Psalm 141. Let's, uh, oh no, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 5. I've already uh, read it here. Revelation chapter 5. Uh, that should be uh, intercession. Yeah, so they're, they're both related anyway. So Revelation chapter 5. And uh, I read it before. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred tongue, people and nation. Made us unto a God, kings and priests. And they were told... And we were told in verse 8, that's what I'm after. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So I want you to notice here, just a see thought, they have a harp in one hand and a bowl of incense the other. Now the harp comes from the tabernacle of David, which I haven't got here. Tabernacle of David, which was a worship to God, approach in music and singing. And this was approach to God through blood. So they both had their purpose. So burning incense. So, so I used to tell the musicians, and see my, my responsibility in Bible Temple many years ago was I had to be uh, elder over the musician, musicians and uh, settle all the wars and rumours of wars and pestilences and earthquakes between the, the singers, the choir, and the musicians. And uh, I remember one, uh, you see, what, whatever's inside, uh, it, you know, it comes out. We impart what's in our spirit. Amen? Beyond our words, even though we mightn't say things, beyond our words we impart our spirit. And I remember this young fellow, he was on the drums. And he would beat the living daylights out the drums and the old pig skin would jump up and down. And I thought, he has a rotten attitude. So I thought, I'm going to fix him. So because that was my responsibility, you don't have authority where you don't have responsibility. So I had that responsibility. So I called him aside and said, you have a rotten attitude. He said, no, I don't. I said, you're off the drums for three to six months. I want you down the front in every prayer meeting. I want you taking notes when the message is being preached. I want you to have your Bible open. Just checked, <laughs> checked him out. But you see, he imparted what was in his spirit. And beyond our words, beyond, we impart what's in our spirit. That's why we have to have a pure spirit. How many can say amen? So you see, the, the harp comes from the tabernacle of David. And the incense comes from the tabernacle of Moses. So when I used to be over musicians, I said, no harping. I mean, no playing unless you're praying. If you don't pray first, you don't play second. Because your playing is affected by your praying. How many think that's good? Don't tell the musicians I said that. Okay, anyway, that's enough on that. So, yeah, praying, intercession... Incense, so playing, praying. And this, you know, it, it goes in my home life too. Am I, am I a priest in my home? This morning I managed to struggle out of bed. 
quarter past six while my wife is laying before the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I want to burn some incense to the Lord, minister in prayer to him. Because then I just want to have a good day and feel that I'm just in a good place with the Lord and I can face the day. Okay, let's go to the next one, uh, number five. And you can put this down as prayer or intercession. But I'd like you to look at this uh, Psalm 141. Just close that clock a little bit. Psalm 141. And I know we rush through a lot of this, but I'd like to encourage you to, as someone said tonight, read through the scriptures when you get home or during the week and just read through Peter as you can. Listen to Psalm 141 and uh, listen to what it says. In verse 1 and 2, he brings two altars together. So it says, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. And then verse 2, let my prayer be set before you as incense. There it is, prayer. The incense, the prayers of the saints. The harp and the censer. Don't play the harp and harp on your harp, harping away there unless you're praying. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So what's David doing, whoever wrote the psalm? He's looking at this. Let the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. You know, back in the days when we used to teach a bit on tabernacle, David, people say when they come to me, well, I'm not going to lift my hands uh, unless I feel led. I said, well, somebody came behind you with a gun <laughs> and stick them up. Oh, I don't feel led. How many know you? How many know you would? You'd be dead meat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when we come in the house of the Lord, hey, I lift up my hand. I'm priest unto God. That's it. Let my prayer be set forth for you as incense. So my prayer, just as the incense is ascending to the Lord, my prayer. And you can do this at home too. All right, wonderful. Let's go quickly. Uh, number six. Number six is, uh, we'll be dealing with this next week, to offer sacrifices to him. And Peter says, spiritual sacrifices. We want to go through nine of them next week. So offer spiritual, not animal sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices. And then... Uh, uh, number seven, uh, where are we up to? Yeah, number seven. Um, to sing praises to him. Uh, turn over to one scripture here, Psalm 46. You doing okay? Psalm 46, listen, listen, listen to this one. Psalm 46, I think it is. Oh, 40, uh, oh 47, thank you, I'm glad you're, you're looking. Okay, in verse 6 it says, Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our God. Hey, you've already said it three times. Sing praises. God is the king of all the, of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. You've told me five times in one little bit of a psalm, sing praises. You know, some of us, we've never been birthed into the tabernacle of David and we haven't learned to sing spontaneous praise to the Lord and sometimes we leave it to the musicians to do it all up there um, let me just do something with you I want you to say hallelujah eight times say it hallelujah 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 okay now let's see 
beautiful. Never once do the Psalms, 150 of them, tell us to say praise the Lord. Now it does in a couple of other scriptures, but over and over again it says, sing praises. There's something about singing praises. And some of us have never got that in our heart, because we come from different backgrounds, whatever. Something needs to be birthed. How many hear what I'm saying here? That singing praise, spontaneous praise. You can do it in the car. You can do it going to work. Don't close your eyes, of course, <laughs> with all the women drivers and the men drivers. <laughs> uh, and the men drivers, yeah. Uh, okay, we better skip that. Okay, so, but over and over again, sing praises. Something about singing praise. They're so beautiful. Okay, uh, number, number, where are you up to? Yeah, uh, uh, number eight, to worship him. Worship him. And you can read through those scriptures, to worship him. Uh, some people say to me, when I teach on Tabernacle Day, would say, uh, what's the difference between praise and worship? Um, I like to use this illustration. When my uh, uh, son was younger, Mark, don't tell him I said this, uh, we'd travel overseas, my wife and I, and uh, Mark would come home and Mark would say, Daddy, I love you, Daddy. Have you got a present for me? Can I carry your case? Can I open your case? And he just loved me until I opened the case and he got his present. But one day, as he grew a bit older, he come, I come home from overseas, he said, you love your Daddy? Yeah, I love you, Dad. What do you love Daddy for? He said, I just love Daddy for Daddy. You see, one was praised for what I gave him. One wish worship for who I was. And you see, we have a lot of praising churches. Sometimes we don't have any worship. That's why I said before, what did God get out of it? I didn't get anything out of the worship. Well, who's worship for? Number nine, we're very quick. To reconcile mankind to God. This is priestly ministry. To stand before him, to serve him, to minister to him to burn incense to him, make intercession to him, offer sacrifices to him, to sing to him, worship him, and to reconcile mankind to God. Am I, are you fulfilling your priestly ministry? Because it goes on seven days a week. How many can say amen? I think you've had your feed tonight. I'm done. Okay, why don't we take our last few moments? I think we've got about five or six minutes here. Any questions on what we've covered tonight? I know we've covered a lot of material, and I hope you've been challenged and fed. Okay, so any, anyone with questions? We've got a, a mic here. Uh, you got a question? Why don't, um, who could help me? Tito, why don't you help, help the old man? All right, oh. Thank you. Okay. Uh, brother, just over there. Um, yeah. And stand up and speak up so everybody can hear. Thank you.
So just on that graph there, you've got the middle section there with the um, Israel. Yes. Is that the Ten Commandments? You, you mentioned down the bottom there was the... Yes. Once they dropped down to the, the secondary level, God introduced the Mosaic Covenant, the Ten Commandments, uh, the tabernacle, bells and smells, incense, nonsense. Everything was on the secondary level. But at the cross, he abolished it all. So back to Israel, that's just... There's no covenant there, is there? Well, there's no Ten yes, Commandments there. there was the Mosaic Covenant. Before that, it was the Abrahamic. Remember okay. in our first session last week, I did, if you will obey my voice, keep my covenant. The only covenant they knew anything about was the Abrahamic covenant, and the only priesthood they knew anything about was the Melchizedek priesthood. But they said, she'll be right. Yeah. yeah. So God said, okay, I'm going to let you go along the road of self-effort for 1,500 years to prove to yourself that you can't because there's another law in here. Okay, very good question. All right, somebody else? Uh, 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 all right. Yes, okay, this brother here, and then you come on out. Uh, um, I've gone blank on names, yes. Uh, I just wonder if you could expand on the spiritual sacrifices. Can you come back next week? <laughs> I'm going to do nine of them next week. Okay, and you'll even get a sheet of paper. With a, okay, thank you. It's just on the topic of uh, incense and prayer. Yes. Um, is there any uh, literal connection between the two? Should we be uh, perhaps burning incense uh, while we pray these days, just uh, as an act of piety? Yeah. Or David, uh, is it David? Matt. Uh, Matt. Yeah, I just went blank. Matt. Uh, good question. I'd say no, because uh, when you come to Malachi, see. My fixation, this is a fixation. I've done incense right through the Bible. And in the Old Testament, incense ends up as nonsense. And God says the day is coming when they will no longer, the Gentiles will no longer offer incense, but they will offer prayer. And so incense, so so many churches, high, low church, carry on the incense. But the real incense is from our heart. And when you go through the scriptures, the incense, which is the prayers of the saints and let the lifting of my hand and pray prayer be as incense. So God's no longer in incense or burning candles and bells and smells, all that stuff. It's got to come from the heart. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay, good question. Uh, uh, yes. Sister over here? Yeah, just wait till you get the mic for everybody's benefit. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask about intercession. Um, I understand that we can pray for other people on behalf of them to bring him to the throne of grace. And I'm just a bit confused because I come from an orthodox background. Right. Um, whether um, um, people who have died, but are, I guess, with Christ now, can they still pray for us? Can they intercede for us as we intercede No, for once others? people die, that's it. Everything's praising in heaven. No praying. See, we do that on earth. And then something I, I often tell people... Uh, people used to say to me, Kevin, would you pray for me? I said, I'll pray for you, but I can't do your praying for you. I'll teach the word to you, but I can't read the word for you. We've got to do certain things ourselves. Good question. Yes, okay. A couple more and then uh, the bell will go. I've heard sometimes that the, the, the ministry of kingship and priesthood 
some of them tend to s separate them. What is your thoughts on this? Uh, yes, uh, to, for me to do kingship, it has to, I'll just say this a little bit. I've done the priesthood ministry, but kingship has to do with authority over principalities and powers, and that instead of them ruling over us, we should be ruling. So what is the ministry of a king? That would be a whole hour session itself, but that gives you a thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe one more. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, <laughs> Linda. Yeah. Stand up, Linda, so everybody can see and hear you. Just going back to the first session, um, I, in my job, often meet people who have been hurt and have gone away from the church, mm -hmm. and they say they can do church on their own. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's not the case, but I'm not sure how to minister to them in that situation. Yes. I, I think you need to ask the Lord to give you wisdom and, and go through the thing where they've been hurt, and, and uh, one of the approaches I've used quite a bit is, are you taking that hurt out on Jesus? Yeah. Hey? Because he's perfecting the church through imperfect people. And, and when we're saved, we're redeemed, but we're not perfected. And so the Lord has to work on us. So you do need to find a good church home because the, the New Testament knows nothing of a loner Christian. Every Christian is a living stone, otherwise they become a rolling stone. So you have to ask the Lord, but they, that were the, some of the approaches I've done. Is there a particular scripture I can lead them to? Uh, I'd have to think that out because uh, that's generally the approach. That you can't yeah. take it out on Jesus. Yeah. Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for it, even with all its imperfections. Mm. So we must love the church and find some church where you do feel at home, where the Lord can heal these hurts, something on that line. Great. That's the one. Yeah, very good. Okay, I think you've had enough. I've had enough. Let's all stand. Thank you. So uh, let, let's just join our hands across the auditorium and let me close in prayer and uh, yeah, just praise God. Father, we just, uh, we're just so overwhelmed with the glory of your inexhaustible word. Lord, it's, it's true. The more we know, the less we know. We know your word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and how you inspired Peter to weave so much of the Old Testament to help us to understand the divine puzzle. Let your blessing be upon us now as we separate, as we go through this week. May we fulfill our priestly function in a greater way not only uh, in the house of the Lord, in this uh, sheep shed, Lord, but in the places we work at and where we minister, whatever. We just commend each other to your grace in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next week. If you've enjoyed today's teaching by Kevin Connor, be sure to check out his books, available from word.com.au in Australia, amazon.com all over the world, and now downloadable as PDFs on kevinconnor.org.